the act of drinking and relaxing with the wine may give you lower inflammation and almost act like a liquid meditation. And it can be healthy for your gut, but if it's not healthy for your gut, it's healthy for your mind. And let's face it, most of us like you better when you're drinking. Okay, well, welcome to the Quacks and Hypochondriacs podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Farrow. I started my career as a chiropractor inside health clubs, obviously by my buff appearance, you can see that. But I turned myself into a gut health expert. So if you wanted to call me a quack, you would not be the first. On this podcast, we're gonna give you the inside scoop on the so-called quacks of the world, the quackery claims, who you should and should not listen to, and why sometimes hypochondriacs had every right to be paranoid about their health. Today with me is the lovely co-host, Erin O'Hearn. She's a journalist for ABC News in Philadelphia, absolute fitness fanatic. And relevant to this conversation, she is someone who loves to drink wine. I am. Erin, it's good to have you back and good to be back myself. How's everything going? Everything's good. You know, this is a topic near and dear to my heart. It's also good for my heart, apparently. But I'm excited to talk about it because as a quote unquote fitness fanatic and someone who's interested in gut health, this is also a topic that is very conflicting to people. And there's a lot of conflicting information out there. Agreed. So what we're talking about today is the surprising effects of drinking wine, especially red wine. They call this out in an article that came out on eatthisnotthat.com, which is a very cool website. And the article is talking about the multitude of health benefits of alcoholic beverages, particularly as it relates to gut health, which is interesting. But there's also the other side of it. You know, alcohol has also been proven to, you know, take away your gut health. But, you know, before we get into all that, I just got over COVID. Yeah. How are you feeling? Great. So I'll tell you that how the experience went. So as ironically as it is, we did a whole, you know, podcast on COVID-19, had Dr. Wish. And of course, I had been touting the benefits of healthy gut is a healthy immune system and and how important it is. And then with Dr. Wishmeyer coming on talking about, well, the studies of giving people probiotics in the hospital and and keeping them off a ventilator and and reducing mortality by 50%. Obviously, there's something there to keeping good gut health. And I would say that during the podcast, because I am so gut healthy conscious and constantly eating good, healthy food and keeping my gut healthy, I felt a little bit like I had a superpower or a a Superman cape on after that episode, like, hey, this COVID is probably not going to, I may not have even get it because of, and so I had come back from snowboarding for a week and I happened to go, have to go get a COVID test because I was going on yet another vacation. I love the vacation. I feel bad for you. You have a you're really rough in it. Listen, you gotta you gotta work hard and play hard. So my family went in to get a COVID test, and imagine my surprise Monday morning when it says you're positive for COVID. And you I had no, no symptoms. Yeah, no symptoms. I just went in because you needed it to travel. So I had no symptoms. And then of course, as soon as you say you're positive for COVID, you're like, okay, I have symptoms. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dying. Like everything that happens to you throughout that day. And so Monday came no symptoms. Tuesday, we of course immediately isolated. I went into the third floor of that, basically the attic and mm-hmm. made a little home up there. And then- Did you put like the ET plastic up against the doors? Like, you know. We didn't, but the kids had put towels outside their room and wrote notes, no COVID, no daddy. Like they, like, <laughs> you really know who your family is. As soon as you get sick, they're like, 
yep, you gave us this beautiful life, but, but no thanks. You stay. <laughs> and because I was on the third floor, you know, the steps up to it felt like I didn't have to go super hard with the, the plastic. I did not turn on the HVAC though up there. It has its own, just so I wouldn't potentially circulate, circulate it. Well, that was kind of you. Thank you very much. And so I didn't really get any symptoms until I talked to my friend on Tuesday night. I had done my Tuesday night call like I always do. And on Tuesday night, my friend's like, have you lost your sense of smell and taste? And I'm like, no. And then I woke up Wednesday morning and I couldn't. Of course smell. you did. I'm like, is this in my head? And he even talked about it because he didn't know if it was in his head. Because if you've never lost your sense of smell, it's a very weird you know, feeling. But the thing that was making my brain go in very crazy directions is that I had fell really hard on snowboarding on Saturday. And so oh, my no. back had started. Well, of course, I'm, I'm with my son. It's the last run. I'm like, dude, we're going to send it, you know, get the video camera. I'm going to take these last three jumps and just crush them. And I actually just ended up crushing myself. And that's well, you are middle-aged and really you should have been operating the camera and he should have been showing off. But we know how middle-aged in, in the yeah. male gender works. Yeah, it's all the same. Well, the, the funny part about this kid is I hit the first two jumps. I hit the third jump and I'm like eight feet in the air. I literally land slam my head head back everything and that's the only time he chooses to zoom in it's when i'm flat on my back and he, he you know he was like and he came up he's like you okay and i'm like i'm gonna be feeling this so i wasn't you were like no i have covid yeah <laughs> no, no i'm good You're, this is this is the last run your dad's dead he's got covid so i started having trouble sleeping and then i'm like so is this back pain from covid or is this from the fall clearly it was from the fall but your brain's playing that game and you're not getting good sleep lost a sense of smell and then that was it i just started getting tired there was no other symptoms other than exhaustion yeah and so i went online and found this doctor that prescribes a drug called ivermectin and it's a parasitic drug they've been using it for many many years and I was reluctant because I'm like, you know, I just, I still have good gut health. Is this going to destroy my gut health? I took it anyway, because of now I started getting super scared. And then I'm like, oh, this is going to be, what a great story. Quack chiropractor doctor doesn't get vaccine, thinks his gut health is going to save him. And now dies of COVID and does a podcast about it and then dies of COVID, right? So now you're like, fine, shoot me up with the vaccine. I'll take it, right? I don't mean to laugh. I, I'm just, it's how your brain would function. That's all. And how, well, I would have consider myself dead it, immediately upon diagnosis. Yeah. So your brain goes there and then you're like, okay, this was irresponsible. Maybe I should have got the vaccine. And yeah. so you, you just, you're going back and forth. And obviously it's, you know, even more difficult because I'm always spouting, you know, better health naturally. So took the ivermectin, felt really well. I gave this other drug called fluvoxamine, which is for anti-depression and OCD. That's supposed Wait a minute. to help. That's pro that's the generic name of Prozac. Yes. So basically it's an SSRI and it's supposed to reduce the cytokine storm. Well, that's why I haven't gotten COVID because I'm on Prozac. Well, a lot of people, that's how they came, came up with this. They started seeing people that were on these SSRIs and were not getting the COVID storm. Yes. Oh, interesting. So, and so there's this whole treatment out there with ivermectin, fluvoxamine, as well as you take zinc, quercetin, vitamin D, because a lot of doctors are saying this is actually a vitamin D deficiency disease. And yeah. you take the protocol. And I'm telling you, it, it worked for both of us. We got our sense of smell back because then my wife ended up becoming positive. So we, then, then we were, the benefit to that was we were able to quarantine together and watch as many Netflix as possible. And then we got our sense. I'm sure of, that's all you did. It was COVID. You, you, <laughs> listen. 
my wife is just like you, right? It, she doesn't even want me to look at her. I'm like, I can't give you more COVID. <laughs> That's actually not true. They said the reason in, the reason people in cities were getting it is because they had a bigger virus load. Potentially. So we watched a lot of Netflix and we got our sense of smell and taste back very quickly. Neither of us got a fever and, you know, just tired and exhaustion. And now, you know, luckily now we have this natural immunity, which feels good. Now, now, you know, you feel back mm-hmm. and the doctor said, all right, so should we get the vaccine? Because as you know, my wife was on her way to get the J and J vaccine. Yes, she was. She stopped. And I was very cautious not to impose any of my ideas on anybody. I, I'm not here to tell anybody do not, you know, get or do not get a vaccine. Whatever you feel is best for you, you know, you know your own health history better, you know your doctors. This is a personal decision in, in my opinion anyway. And so when it came to my wife, I also know what whatever decision it is, it's always my fault anyway. Right. So <laughs> she was like, I, was gonna I, can, I actually I can attest to that because I had a conversation with her after you were exiled to the third floor. Exactly. She explained the, it was whether, I know you didn't give your opinion and you didn't force it on her, but I think she believes that through osmosis, your feelings about the vaccine, she sort of absorbed. Of course. Well, she was going to, if she got it, it doesn't matter either way. I'm always in trouble. It it doesn't matter. She left, didn't decide to get it. And she came home, she said, I didn't get it. I chickened out. I said, okay. I knew how this whole thing was going to play out, especially in my position. So I was just like, I'm not telling you one way or the other, and I'm not anti-vaccines. I'm not a guy that's anti-vaccines. My kids are vaccinated. I'm vaccinated, uh, not for the COVID, but what I am is data-driven. And I just want, I said, as long as we could stay healthy, maybe we'll just wait for more data to come out. Well, lo and behold, they just recalled the j and I know. I was going to say, I'm glad she waited on that one, but so, you know, no one has a, a crystal ball, but anyway, my point to everybody is whether you get vaccinated, don't get vaccinated. If you don't get vaccinated, if you come down with COVID-19, I would highly look into the ivermectin and fluvoxamine combination with the zinc and, and what I've uncovered by really researching it even more and more. And it's, there's a ton of research out there about it is vitamin D is incredibly important. And if you mm-hmm. look, you look at the Mason Dixon line and you look at those in the Northern hemisphere where they're getting less sun. And a lot of us just came out of, you know, a, a very dark winter. You still need to make sure you're not only injecting vitamin D, but you're getting some sun on your skin. Cause that's how it gets converted properly in the body. So that's my public service message in regards to COVID. But you can, so let me ask you a question about that because, all right. So I'm on the, whatever, the, what is it called? Fluvoxamine. So I bet on that and I really started it because I had a concussion a couple of years ago and it was causing all sorts of anxiety and depression, but, and I just haven't stopped because it just worked for me. But my point is, is so the combination of that, even though we, I live up North in Philadelphia, I go running during the winter. Like I'm outside doing things, we go skiing. So I'm assuming that I can absorb the vitamin D that way too. Yes, absolutely. And okay. there's a difference between sitting next to a window and being outside. Some people think, well, I'm, I'm in the car. The win-. No, the, the glass will take away some of that UV light that you actually need. So getting outside specifically is the yeah. most important way to get it. And you really only need about 15 minutes per day in the sun to get that max amount of absorption of vitamin D. Yeah. And, and if you don't, right, if you take a lot of vitamin D and you don't do that, then you're just making it harder on the body to deal with. So it's really mm-hmm. important 
you know, get, get some sun out on your face. Well, since I had to listen to your COVID story, oh, I, okay. all right. well, yes, I'm going to tell a COVID vaccine story about. Next to me the whole time I had COVID, by the way. What? Did you, you just know I was going to be healthy? I Didn't did you? text you and I called Amber. Okay. And I, I called you. You don't remember because of that fall. That's probably what it was. Yeah. Okay. So anywho, we, so we did, my husband and I decided to get the vaccination and we got Pfizer. So we had our first shot in February and then we went away and got sun and then came back and got our second shot. Now, after the first shot, I felt, I didn't feel bad. I felt a little off, but that also could have been, you know, sleep. It could have been tequila. Who knows? So then we had the second one and I was a nervous wreck because I'm like, I just, in my head, I had it obviously, as you could predict that I was going to be super sick out for the count for the day. I was supposed to work that Sunday. I'm like, no, I don't think you should expect me. And Sal, my husband said, no, 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 we're not going to get sick. I just know it. We're healthy. All right. So what happens? I come away scot-free and have basically zero symptoms, except the fact that I was a tiny bit tired, which was cured through a nap. Like I literally took a nap the next day and I was fine. And he was in bed the entire day after. And it took him probably a full week to recover from the muscle aches and the fatigue. Wow. So now I don't know. Now I have better gut health because I take probiotics every morning and I just, I'm more, not that he's unhealthy, but I just am more, I'm more focused on my gut health. I I don't know if, if that was a reflection of how he would have reacted to COVID or it's just the vaccination, but I personally, and again, I'm not imposing my opinion on anyone, but I feel better for him that he received the vaccine because I'm afraid that the reaction was so adverse. I don't know what it would have been if he had contracted the actual virus. Yeah, agreed. You know, that's that's why this has to be a personal decision. Some people will yell and say, no, you're hurting society, you know, do your part. I feel like that's just another, you know, wrong. I, I can't wait. We're going to bring in another guest one time that is actually a true, true vaccine expert. I've been trying to get him on forever. He'll debunk just about every theory on either side of the equation. So ultimately, this is a personal decision. The data is still coming in. Ultimately, the best thing you can do is to improve your gut health. And now is a great segue. Apparently, you can do that with red wine. Oh, my gosh. This is like this has made my 2021, which isn't really hard, but it has made my 2021. I wish we actually had a a musical engineer so we could be playing the UB40 song right now. Red, red. I can't even sing it. Yeah, that's not my uh, my expertise. So this one is kind of easy to talk about because we like red wine. I love red wine. I don't, I can't drink white wine. I don't know what it is. You you like white wine? Yeah. So I have to say that I do drink white wine, especially in the summer or I'll, I'll drink rosé because I just feel like the red wine is so heavy and it makes me tired, but maybe that's a good thing. Maybe this will be the push just to drink red wine because I feel that as I've gotten older, I can't have more than a glass and a half of red wine. Very similar. Like even like now, if I try to have a beer, that's like an IPA, mm-hmm. this doesn't agree. And I think it is probably potentially to do with age or maybe they just got too hoppy or whatnot, but white wine makes me feel ill. Red wine. Yeah. I can't all day long. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about this article because I read it and I 
could feel my anxiety rising because it would be like, I would read the first benefit and then I would feel great and say to myself, I'm going to have a glass of wine tonight. And then I would read the next one and say, I'm not having wine for eight weeks. And then I would read the next one and say, no, 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 actually I'm having two glasses tonight. And then the next one. And then I would be like, wait, maybe I should just have a handful of grapes. So what was your takeaway from the article overall? Because my takeaway was just, again, in the same spot, it's just moderation. Yeah, it's a it's there's definitely a ping pong article, right? You're going yes, no, back and forth. So ultimately, when it comes to the bacteria in your body, it's so diverse that it loves diversity. It loves to eat varied different foods. And the stronger your bacteria gets in your body, the more cravings you have for diversity. Actually, on my call last night, one was saying, you know, I'm really picky. When people say I'm a really picky eater, what they're really saying is, is that they have a very narrow bacteria diversity. And that's not good. No, it's not good. And, that, and so the, and that's what ends up happening. The more unhealthy we get, the more likely we crave bad, you know, foods that are not great for us. And that's mm-hmm. what's narrowing the focus of our diversity of the bacteria. And so what I've observed clinically by working with folks is the more they start to slowly, like with us, you know, we, we're almost forcing them to have fruits and vegetables for the first three days, just by doing that within three days, the new bacteria starts to populate. And then it starts to say, hmm, I actually am craving a pepper for some reason, or I'm craving other diverse foods. So I think the wine issue is that, yeah, red wine in its best form, which is fermented. And if it's a clean wine, it's gonna feed a certain type of bacteria as it processes in your body. Mm -hmm. The issue we have, just like we have with everything we do, is once we start highly processing thing and putting additives into it, it loses the same effect in the body. And so I think what the big takeaway from this article is, we gotta stay away from the lower end wines that add sugar, which makes sense because sugar is not good for the mi- microbiome in that right. way, especially that, that fast sugar. It likes fiber sugar that it can break down, but other than that, it doesn't like it. And finding that organic, Wine may also be a benefit, and it may not have to be organic, but it has to have no sugar is what we're reading. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a second? Because so when I was reading the article, when it was talking about the lower the sugar, the better. So organic wine is a big trend right now. The scout and sellers of the world, like it's, first of all, it's also a pyramid scheme, but that's for another podcast. If you have higher end wine, that's not necessarily organic, or at least doesn't brand itself as organic. I'm assuming that's that the, the wines that are drier, that, you know, I don't want to say cost more, but I guess you're from better vineyards that they're not highly, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not an assembly line of wines. It's, it's right. more, there's more time taken into picking the grapes and the way it's fermented. That is a good alternative too, because I, my husband is a wine snob. So I feel very assured by the wine we have in the house, even though it's not quote unquote organic, that it's okay. But am I wrong? Do I really need to look for that? You know, the jury's out because everything is manipulated. So getting the, or, you know, the organic moniker nowadays, you can, you can argue that it's not really, you know, organic. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the Netflix on the climate change in the fishing industry. No, I didn't have COVID. So I didn't watch that. Yes. Well, let me tell you. (laughs) Everybody should watch that because it, it shows how climate change is, is mostly due to overfishing and how much the ocean has to do with cooling our, you know, our environment. 
And I, I'm going to tell you, Aaron, it is one of the best documentaries. It's so well done. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is that, you know, when you see like dolphin safe tuna stamp on something or it's uh, not real. Yeah. The sustainable, sustainable fisheries. Mm-hmm. It's all bullshit. It's not. So should right. I have not eaten salmon last night? Well, I'm, you know, it's not about not eating salmon. It's more just the idea that we all have to understand that these labels and these companies that are supposed to be looking out for the welfare are backed mm-hmm. by the same people. They're backed by their all their funding comes from these big fisheries. And yeah, uh, I know, but that's with everything. Like how? I mean, so the, my point is with organic. I would say that the best way to look at it, and a, a friend of mine, pretty, told me. She said, "I understand that when people say, is it really organic? Who knows? Is you know they can manipulate it? Is it really organic?'" And she said, "Well, I look at the risk reward proposition here, and I say, well, if you're right, I'm wasting my money buying something that says organic. Mm-hmm. I spent money than I should have." If I'm right and the organic actually means something and it's full of and it doesn't have the chemicals and the pesticides, I live longer without cancer. So it's really just buying into the organic may may be better for you. And she has subscribed to one of those clubs where they just send you the organic wine without the nitrates and the added sugar. And we tasted it. It was different than a San Genovese wine that we had. And I was like, wow, this is my really expensive bottle of red wine. And then I had the organic and I could detect a difference in just how it was like processing. I, I don't know. No, how to- I can, t- I can too. It tastes, I mean, I hate to use this word, but it does taste cleaner. I mean, I've had, I've had my friend sells Scout and Cellar and it's, it's very good. I enjoy it. All right. Let me ask you this. We're, so we're talking about the whole organic label. The other part of this article that I think interests people is that not only does red wine contribute to gut health but you have to sort of have that perfect balance because it can also detrimental the gut health. But it was talking about how wine, this is the the part that it was the good two sides were sort of butting heads in one sense, it can help you avoid obesity and the other sense it can cause obesity. So when people are talking about eating healthier and eating clean, a lot of times it means removing alcohol from their diet, which is understandable because, you know, a lot of it's empty calories, but is, and this is a true question. When you think about a glass of wine or even two glasses of wine, calorically, it's not that different. I mean, it's probably less than having a chocolate bar or some ice cream right after dinner. Now it's the prevent it's, it's the inhibition that you're surprised, like when you have alcohol, you're less likely to be disciplined or understand what you're, or remember for that matter, what you're eating. And so I'm just wondering, is that more where the weight gain, like obviously if you have 15 beers, you're gonna have a beer gut, but I'm just from, from a, somebody who enjoys a couple glasses of wine with dinner, is it more that your inhibitions rather than the caloric value? That's a good point. I would say it's, if all things were equal, it would be what's in the wine, particularly the added sugar. So that is where these, that's why this article is all over the place because it's, you know, yeah. there's not apples and oranges are comparing, uh, apples and apples are comparing because if you have wine that's full of sugar, that is obviously just too much caloric intake. And more importantly than just calorically, it just shuts down the system because your yeah. body's dealing with this dump. Sure. And the same thing with, I think there is a difference between one glass of wine and two because of the alcohol content. 
So as you think you said astutely right off the bat, this is about a moderation at the end of the day. And if you were eating really clean and healthy all day long and you had a small glass of wine with, with dinner, I think your body will process that, no questions asked, and the act of drinking and relaxing with the wine may give you lower inflammation and almost act like a, as a liquid meditation. Right. That's, that's how I feel with it sometimes. Yeah, that's where the benefit is. But the negative is, is when that small glass turns into two and then mm -hmm. it turns every day. And then, of course, now you're going to increase inflammation. You, you mentioned the word inhibition, but really also what happens is, is because you might be shifting your bacteria and creating inflammation on the other side, the next morning you wake up and what do you get cravings for? Every time you have a night of alcohol, what it's typically the next day, the pendulum. Yeah. Fried foods, heavy fat. Right. And, and so that, I think that that's the other the side of it. So I would never relate drinking red wine or not drinking wine to regulate obesity. And that's why I think the article is kind of interesting that it talks about that. These are all anecdotal. So I think what we're getting out of here is, is that a good, healthy quality of wine in very low moderation, if we're going to just have to pick right now, would probably give you some health benefit. And it's also going to make for a happier life and better tasting food. So. Right. I agree with that. I, so the, the other thing I think about this article, well, there's two, there's two points that I wanted to make, you know, a lot of people, when they think about, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to eliminate alcohol for a certain amount of weeks. I mean, I do it like I did the dry January. Right. But that doesn't mean that on the weekend, or if you don't drink during the week, that on the weekends, then it's like balls to the wall and you're taking shots and you're finishing two bottles of wine because that's not healthy either, because then it just becomes a cycle of either nothing or too much of it. And I can't imagine that that's good for you either. I would agree. I mean, yeah, I totally agree. I have a question for you. True or false? Is there a video of you doing handstands and taking tequila shots? I don't know. If you have to ask the question, I guess it exists. It's for my audience, Erin. Okay. <laughs> well, it's a podcast, so they can't see it. But if you, I'm just, I will say that a while back, there was a lot of snow and I had a lot of stress and yoga helped and tequila helped. So I thought, why not put them together? Yes. And that is the upcoming book that we wanted to announce now. <laughs> tequila Handstands by Erin O'Hearn, How I Survived a Snow Day. <laughs> I mean, it seems so silly now because of all that we've been through, but I literally was like, I can't take another snow day. These kids need to go to school. That was that was before the Prozac. Yeah, well, well, that was that was God's way of of saying, listen, if you can't handle this no day, wait till I hit you with a pandemic and the kids are home <laughs> every second. <laughs> so true. Well, speaking of handstands and tequila, so there's a couple other points I wanted to make about that article and about just you know consuming alcohol in general as far as your health is concerned. I have found that because we recently went away for the kids' spring break. And obviously you're a little more lenient with your diet when you're on vacation and you're a little more lenient with alcohol consumption. But I have to tell you, I never once in that trip woke up feeling awful because I actually balanced the alcohol intake. Like I made sure I was really careful of what I ate. Like even though maybe I ate more, we were eating fresh vegetables, like 
we, we stuck to fish. I mean, we were eating fresh fish because we were in the Keys. And then, you know, you exercise so much, right? Because you're, I would go for a run or do, you know, do some sort of cardio in the morning and then be swimming or just walking. And it makes such a big difference. Like I can't emphasize enough that when, because I noticed that a lot of people around me weren't doing that. Like when you have, like it just, I feel like just even walking makes such a big difference for getting your body going. Like, I know you're not like a huge fan of like intense exercise, but I just feel like it does so much for you. No, I'm, I'm a big fan of intense exercise when your body can handle it. Right. Okay. Just, just like I wouldn't take, you know, a second grader and put them in calculus, their, their, their head will explode. Yes. And so create, will create more stress and inflammation on them when they're not ready for it. And that's what most people come to us and they're like, I'm all right. I'm somehow I gained 50 pounds overweight. I've my diabetes out of control. So our methodology in the past is, well, let's just start counting calories and putting you on a treadmill, which is the opposite that that human being needs at that time. They need to first recover internally. But I think you bring up a good point about vacation, red wine, just life in general in moderation. I treat your weekends like mini vacations every weekend, right? Because we're always a little less stringent on the weekends. And when you go on vacation, I say, just pick your poison. So if it's Friday night and you're like, you know what? I really want to have a glass of wine. Then have a glass of wine, but then don't have all the bread, all the pasta, yeah. and a two. And the same rules apply for vacation. It's like, all right, this week, like you said, I'm going to maybe go for a run or a walk in the morning. I'm going to eat a good breakfast. I know I'm going to be sitting by the pool drinking margaritas. So what I'll do is I'll fuel myself with vegetables and fruit and other things, and I'll pick alcohol as my poison for that day. And maybe the next day it's the dessert. But when you- Or maybe it's just the alcohol every day. <laughs> yes, and maybe it is. And we have a lot of people that say, I went on vacation, I took your advice, and I just picked one poison. Yeah. And that made all the difference. It's when you combine the two or three that your body is just like, I can't. I totally, I totally agree with that. And I did that. And honestly, like I didn't gain a pound. Like I didn't, not that it's just about weight, but I didn't come away from the vacation feeling like, oh my gosh, I was so unhealthy. And I was, you know, was, I came away feeling like I was really sick of fish, you know, and I wanted like a dish of pasta, but I didn't come away feeling awful. Right. And that means your body and mind got a vacation. Right. You know, normally we treat our bodies like an amusement park on vacation. Then you come home and you feel like crap for 10 days. And it's like, wait, what was the point? I didn't get to recharge. I actually just destroyed myself. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And one, one thing about this article that I want to talk about before we wrap up here is they talk about a concept called leaky gut syndrome. I don't know yes. if you're reading that. And that has been a term that's been thrown around. It was probably the earliest term I've heard in relation to poor gut health. I, st I think we started talking about this term back in 2002, 2003, and it got a lot of flack. People like, oh, there's no scientific education or research on what leaky gut really is. And so I, it's a term that I like to talk about because what most people are saying is that when your gut digestive microbiome is off and your body is full of toxins, the whole goal of your digestive tract is to keep bad things out and let good things in. But if it's bombarded with chemicals and toxicity, what ends up happening is your internal body says, hey, send all these soldiers to this gate to keep this stuff out. So there's, that's what inflammation is. And when you get that inflammation, the soldiers have to be let out so that it opens the gates. So it lets the soldiers out. But as the soldiers are coming out, all this toxicity terrorists are coming in. 
And that's what they that's what they refer to as leaky gut. And I think in the mind, people think, well, I'm going to take this one substance and that's going to contribute to the leaky gut. That's not really the case. It's a multitude of factors that create chronic low inflammation with the consistent bombardment of chemicals, lotions, as we, you know, when we had Dr. Shalon talking about putting stuff on your skin, getting into your body. It's a culmination of all those things that create that low level inflammation, which then allows certain substances to pass through into your bloodstream that shouldn't be there. And that's, you can call it leaky gut, but you can just call it toxic overload. And so red wine doesn't lead to leaky gut. It's a combination. Combination. Yeah. That's to to bring your point. And I know we're going to wrap, but there's two things that reminded me of, and it was an article that I read or a podcast that I listened to talking about red meat and people are conflicted on that as well. Should, you know, are people who eat red meat not as healthy as people who have plant-based diets? And the conclusion was that there's really no data on people who eat red meat in moderation along with the clean diet. It's, it's really focused on people who are eating, you know, cheeseburgers and fries. They're enti- of course, they're going to be less healthy and it, it, it's going to be bad for their heart and for their gut. But having a steak, you know, or a healthy chili with ground beef, I don't think is when it's just an addition to your diet and not the sole source of your diet can't possibly be bad for you. Right. I, I agree. I mean, like when you look at, you know, a lot of the menu items, you know, we have the meal delivery service, we have a chili in there. We have an eggplant that has beef in it. We have chicken wings. So when I look at the scope of life, if you look at the people in the blue zone, like in Sardinia, they mostly eat pasta and a little bit of pastry each day. And they only have meat on Sundays and they have a very little bit of meat. They drink wine every day, by the way, as well. And they have the highest population of people living into their hundreds in this. Now there's other factors there. There are these tiny little Italian people. So you know, you don't see many, listen, I know I'm not long for this planet. You're not going to, you don't see these many six, five, 95 year olds walking around. <laughs> right? So the large, the larger you are, probably the lower life expectancy you're going to have because your heart's got to work hard and all that. So there is something to be said for these tiny little Italians living in this really relaxed environment. They walk everywhere. They lower their consumption of red meat. They're only doing it once a week. They're still eating pastas and breads and drinking wine. So they have that moderation, but they also have less toxicity and less stress. Their grains haven't been, you know, ruined. They use similar zero. So all all that to be said is that I agree with you that if I've I've read meat once or twice a week, sure. I think someone who has it once a week is probably better off than someone who has it twice a week long-term. But generally, if you're doing all these other things, exercise, meditation, yoga, then it's probably your body's still going to be able to handle it more so than somebody who doesn't have diverse microbiome, doesn't do all those other things. Yeah, then I think that cheeseburger is gonna be more detrimental to the health. So we always get back to moderation, but you also gotta know what works best for you because when people are going through our protocol and they do the elimination reintroduction, I can tell you probably 15% to 20% of the people that go through it realize that their body doesn't react well to beef. And it doesn't mean they'll never have it again. Yeah, no, 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 I understand. It was just a question I had. And also, lastly, can tequila be an anti-inflammatory? I think tequila is the most underrated alcohol out there. It's great on the rocks. It goes out the same way it came in if it has to leave. So you know, <laughs> you know where it's going. Uh, that happened on the handstand. 
you know, I think that majority of people, if you're going to have alcohol, it's a treat like a dessert, buy a good one. And I say the same thing about dairy. If you're going to have cheese, get a really good high quality cheese, something. Yeah. Get 12 month aged Manchego. Manchego. That's don't get, don't get Cracker Barrel. And don't get the one that starts with a G because no one can say it properly. And they always sound silly. The cheese? Your what? Cheese. Oh, Rier? yeah. Rier. I can say it right. I love Rier. I love it. But if I have to pick it and I have to say it out loud, I'm just like, keep cheddar. Just say, just say the French cheese. Yeah, the French one. So wrapping up, what is your favorite red wine? You mean just, oh, well, Cabernet. Cabernet. And what brand would you, would you have a go-to brand? <sighs> See, I'm not as picky. Like I really like just, well, Justin is picky. So I really like Justin. I really like, like for an everyday wine, decoy is really good. And I do enjoy the organic wines. I just, it's, I'm not in charge of ordering a wine for my household. So I can't, I've got to convince the small Italian guy to focus more on the organic. But Cabernet, Cabernet is by far my favorite. I do not like Pinot Noir. I wonder if most of our listeners have a small Italian guy in their homes responsible for ordering the wine. <laughs> Didn't everybody have a small Italian guy that's responsible? That should, that well, should be- Well, especially, especially since you know that you can count on him for a long time because their, their lifespan clearly is longer. So I, I don't have to worry for a long, long time about somebody who orders my wine. To scale this, instead of an Alexa that's this tall, we have a Salvatore- <laughs> And you're gonna, hey, style, order me some wine. You gotta stop. I can't. Right now, I'm doing something over here. (laughs) (laughs) He's rubbing olive oil on his skin. Exactly. Well, what a great episode. I appreciate everybody coming here. So, this article is on eat this, not that. So it's eatthis.com and it's the surprising effects on wine and gut. And as you said, Aaron, I think we'll make people crazy going back and forth. Well, clearly the person who wrote it was drunk. (laughs) (laughs) I love this wine. This wine's killing me. That's exactly what I'm like. There is no coherency to this article. (laughs) It's fine. Keeps us all guessing. Well, as you know, this podcast is sponsored by betterhealth.com. Mm-hmm. And we want to let our members know it's okay to drink wine once in a while. That's what our takeaway has been today. And it can be he- healthy for your gut, but if it's not healthy for your gut, it's healthy for your mind and your meditation. And let's face it, most of us like you better when you're drinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Erin, thank you very much. I want to thank our listeners to listening to the Quacks and Hypochondriacs podcast. If you like the show, which of course you do, why wouldn't you, especially with Erin as the host, be sure to rate us, review, subscribe, do all the things that help us and help you find the show when the next episode comes out. And don't forget to visit our sponsor, Better, BETRHealth.com. And this episode was edited and produced by Earfluence. God, don't you just love the people at Earfluence? Yes, I love them. And I love, I love when they drink wine too. Yes, next episode we should drink wine. Mm-hmm. We should have and bring bring a little Italian guy. <laughs> Salvatore Peyon. So this is Aaron O'Hearn, Dr. Bill Farrell. We'll see you next time. Quacks and Quacks. Quacks. Quacks and Hypocon that's the new name, Quacks. We're made it's the Quacks and Hypochondriacs podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one. Hey 
Hey there, listeners. Did you know we not only have an award-winning podcast, but we have an amazing blog to go with it? If you go over to BETRHealth.com and click on the blog button, you'll have access to recipes, member stories, food is medicine tips, and so much more. That's BETRHealth.com slash blog.